Welcome. Any missed blanks? Seeing none, moving on. All right. Any, any questions? Thank you for the reminder to, to use the mic. I, I actually have two. The first one is... Sorry, um, Renee, you only get one. Oh. Just kidding. <laughs> is 1A2, um, we're at John 2.23, um, and that appears to not be saving belief. Um, I better read it, huh? Oh, yeah. Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs which he did. And that's when Jesus did not, did not commit himself to them because he knew all men and had no need that anyone should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. Um, so that appears to be not saving belief. And it reminded me of Matthew 13, 1 through 9, the parable of the sower, when the seed is planted on different kinds of soil and how it appears to be seed, but then is choked out or it's maybe hard ground. Yeah, as Jeremy mentioned, that was the first instance after we, we, we get in the opening. Um, you know, John's telling us here in 114, the word became flesh. What am I looking for? But to all who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Yes, 12, uh, or sorry, 11. He came to his own, but his own people did not receive him. However, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that's the first instance of, you know, belief that we see in, in John's gospel. And then we encounter belief here by, by those after the feast. Many believed in his name. And then Jeremy's like, oh, what do we make of Jesus did not entrust himself, you know, on his part to them. And, you know, that, that was kind of, uh, you know, opening up you know, what we're seeing now in, in today's text by bringing us to this realization that in, in John's gospel, there's, there's belief and then there's true saving, you know, belief. And, and here Jesus, you know, knew that there was some reception of him, some, some belief, uh, in, in two eleven um, or two twenty three through 25. However, he did not entrust himself because he knows all people and needs no one to, um, bear witness about man for he himself knows what is in man and then right after that on the tales of that and jeremy says that you know we arbitrarily say chapter two ends there but that's a perfect you know uh, opening to chapter three and maybe would be better included there only to say that that nicodemus is the first instance or, or an example rather of someone who believed but jesus did not entrust himself to him at least at that time um because he was believing only, you know, superficially. Did you have another question, Renee? Yes, the other one was three um, a one, um, where Jeremy brought out the point about um, not needing a sign, but belief by Jesus's words, and it reminded me of Second Peter one nineteen. 19. Well, actually, 16 to 21. Yeah, let's go ahead and read that. I, I have that written down as well. And if there were no other um, you know, questions, I was going to go there. So what we're turning to is Peter. Peter, he wrote first and second Peter. Um, he talks about the prophetic word that we have, which is very, very important. And I'm glad that you caught that as well, because what he points to first is he says, hey, we had this experience. We had this this miraculous experience, but you guys have something more sure. So let's go see what he says is more sure than being on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 16 through 21. All right. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths, when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Tell me more, Peter. Verse 17. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased, we ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. Okay? Verse 19, and we have something more sure. 
All right. I don't know if you've ever, you know, like Jeremy said, wanted to have a cup of coffee or tea, whatever your preference is, or just water, soda, whatever, with Jesus and, and see Jesus face to face. Or you've heard someone say, no, I need to, you know, I, I can't believe in this because this is secondhand. I need to see Jesus face to face. Well, get ready for what Peter says is more sure than that experience on the mountain where God, the very God the Father, spoke from heaven and, um, and Jesus was, um, was there in his majestic glory. Verse 19, and we have something more sure, the prophetic word to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from one's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Inspired scripture, the prophetic word more sure than being on the mountain with Jesus when the Father um, spoke and, and said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. That to me, when I learned that in college, was mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. Because what does that mean for us? What are, what are the implications of that for us? When we go out and we do our evangelism, when we send missions, missionaries out, sorry, out, out into the missions field, what power do they have? What, 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 what sword do they have? What, you know, what, what do they have that's going to exact? Someone said the Holy Spirit, amen. And what is the Holy Spirit's weapon of choice, if you will? The word. That's it. I mean, I, I don't mean to dumb it down and be too simple, but it's very, very, you know, we don't have to go and be creative. Now, I'm not saying that people that do things that are creative are necessarily wrong, but I'm saying the essence, fundamentals of you know, how are we going to effectively bring people into the faith isn't with a whole bunch of extra stuff. You know, it's with the word. You go out and you say, hey, let's read the Bible together. Or, or you, you, you're, you're, you have someone who experiences a difficulty in their life and they're searching for answers because they know that all the things that they put their hope in are all of a sudden crumbling because they faced some difficulty. Well, we have a hope. We have a sure hope, actually. And we can, we can share, we've been reconciled, right? And so we have this ministry of reconciliation, and we go, therefore, and, and bring that ministry of reconciliation to them. But the ministry of reconciliation isn't something that Greg comes up with. It's not like I have to write a new script to each you know, person I, I meet and say, okay, what am I going to do now? Now, I'm not saying I don't think through, you know, practically, what is this particular person going through, or, or what you know, can I draw from my experience with this particular person, but at the end of the day, I have no tool that no one else in this room, room has. Peter had no tool that no one else in this room had, other than you know, that, that kind of apostolic period of, of the word going out and, and signs, um, but that was, you know, anyway, we're not going to get into that. Um, but, but, but we have, Peter's giving us, he's not saying, hey, go out and, you know, tell this, this, this crippled man to rise or raise this, you know, person from the dead. He's saying, you have something more sure. And what is it? It's, it's a prophetic word to which you will do well to obey. And so we call all men everywhere to repent. And, um, and yeah, so thank you for that. That's absolutely I think the, the, you know, the, the direction that Jeremy was going this morning, saying um, that we, there's, there's no confirmation that this man needed. Isn't it beautiful, right? The, the Galileans, they wanted to see signs. And Jesus, he, he warned the man and rebuked the Galileans all at the same time because of the sign-seeking that they were, they were after. And what does this man do? Jesus tells him, let's, let's, let's go back to our text and, and kind of make the connection. So there's Peter's words, right? Uh, this is happening later, right? The, the Lord has ascended at this point. Um, and let's go back to John to kind of refresh ourselves with where we are. And then I'm going to make one more connection than I see Renee ask for the mic again that we can go, you know, that direction further or, 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 or so forth. So chapter 4, verse 49 is where we will start. The official said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. So that's the urgent plea. Like, that's the request. Like, the only way that the official can see, I mean, he believes Jesus to a degree because he goes out and seeks and comes to him, right? But then he says, okay, I, I know that you are someone special. 
you know, uh, we don't get this from the text, but clearly he's, he's coming to Jesus with this request because he believes to a degree that Jesus can fulfill this request. And Jesus says to him, go and your son will live. You, right? I mean, like, I think when Jeremy, you know, mentioned that this morning, um, it, it should have landed on all of us. Like, you know, what would you have said if you were in that situation? Like, oh, duh, yeah, I'll just go home, you know. And then what happens when you see your your uh, servants coming toward you or, or someone sending a message to you, you know, what, what's, what's welling up in your heart? Um, but this is what Jesus says. Jesus says, go and your son, sorry, go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. So he believed, and then he had further belief after the, the messenger came and said, your son is well, at what hour, such and such an hour, and he remembered. Now, let's take a little step back into chapter 3, and then I'll make a connection that Jeremy mentioned, I think, a couple weeks back, but I think is very, very significant in this section and beyond in John's Gospel. Go to chapter 3. We're going to go to the end of chapter 3. So this is, this is either, either John the Gospel writer speaking or John the Baptist speaking. Whichever John, maybe I should just say, this is John speaking. I'll let you fill in the blanks. Um, this is John speaking, and we'll just start in 31 and kind of work through that end of, end of the section. And I want you to cap, catch, okay, what is it, uh, you know, about Jesus? You know, what is it here that, uh, that John is focusing on? Like, you know, what does he know? What does he say? How is that to be received? Uh, let's read. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. So we have speech there. The one who is of the earth speaks in an earthly way. He who comes from heaven is above all. Verse 32. He bears witness to what he has seen and heard, yet no one receives his testimony. And if it ended there, that would be very, very sad. No one receives his testimony. Verse 33. Whoever receives his testimony sets his seal on this, that God is true. For he who God has sent utters the words of God. There's speech again, right? Utters the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. And just to finish the section, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. What is it about Jesus? He, he speaks, not in an earthly way, he speaks of what he has seen and what he has heard, and no one receives his testimony. But those that the Spirit opens their eyes and, and they, they do receive his words, they receive his words, and they set their sail on this, that, that, that he is the Son of God, that God ooh, set the seal on this, that God is true for no one you know, um, who... For whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure, and the Father loves the Son, given all the... Whoever believes in his name shall have eternal life. That's kind of where I was going to, but I forgot there is not just a few words, but a whole sentence in between that. So, all that to say is this man is an example, right, of what John told us earlier. John says, no one receives his testimony. He speaks of things he has seen and he has known, not in an earthly way. And I would suggest to you that this is speaking in a, of something he has seen and known, not in an earthly way. Because as Jeremy said, he didn't have to be there. He didn't have to utter some incantation, you know, do some hand waving or something like that for the son to be healed. He just said, go and your son will live. He's speaking not in an earthly way. Amen? Um, and, then he, and then the man believes him. And what do, we, what do we understand from John earlier saying? Whoever believes in him has eternal life. And then you see the fruit of that because the man obeys, right? Whoever believes in him must obey. He obeys. He goes. He doesn't say, Jesus said, really, man, it would really make me feel a lot better if we just went together and saw him alive together. He doesn't, he doesn't demand that, right, as Jeremy said. He doesn't require that. True faith doesn't require demand signs. Jesus tells him. He just speaks. He doesn't, he doesn't give him some, you know, like, here's a, the baby camera video from your house. You see, the, the kid's okay. He didn't do that. He says to him, go and your son will live. And the man believes. So, Renee. Well done. Well done. Oh, yeah. You heard that, Jeremy? Well, that's good. <laughs> go ahead. 
Um, yes, and that belief, of course, is of God. So it's not because he's a better man than the rest. Um, but I was thinking about what you said about the Holy Spirit and missionaries and the Word of God, which is the sword of the Spirit, um, which is the living Word and the written Word, which is why it's so important we know the Word to keep us from error because some miracles or signs can, the evil one has powers, just like in front of Pharaoh. They, the um, magicians had signs they did, just like Aaron did. And so by knowing the word of God, it can give us wisdom and discernment. Is this, does this follow God's word? Is this of God? And that's like today, in this day and age, there is so much witchcraft. There's so much evil. It is so important that we go forth in the power and wisdom of God. Um, so. Amen. Any other questions? Oh, whoop. Elder Jake. Here comes a rebuke. Um, Renee, hearing you say that um, about, the, about signs and people seeing different signs, it reminds me, that, um, it used to be, it was about 100 years ago, more or less, in this country, there was, they went through a phase where seances were a big deal. And if you, uh, if you needed a sign for something, if you lost a loved one, they'd put you in a dark room, like a table, and people would sit with you. And um, clever magicians could manifest different signs, noises, appear to make things levitate, this sort of thing. And it had me thinking about how in Second Peter, the more sure thing is not the sign, it's the prophetic word. This is the most unfakeable um, testimony to Jesus is the fact that we have really specific prophecies that were written by Men, different men over thousands of years, many of them in very hostile environments, and that Jesus comes along and carefully, absolutely fulfills each one of these. I mean, even just like in Micah, Bethlehem, from you, is going to come to say, you know, and we need to read our Old Testament and be amazed by these things because um, it's given that higher position than the signs, right? The prophetic word speaks about prophecy, you know, so the fact that Jesus comes along and Instead of maybe instead of asking for more miracles, they should have been searching and saying, like, is this the guy? Does he fulfill all these things? Because that prophetic word is given first sort of first billing. Right. And um, it's, it's just amazing now to think about how when we look back and just you can make you can go through, you can make a list, you know, read through the Old Testament, all the different things that Jesus fulfills. And it's so unfakeable because there's no way that anyone can coordinate all that. And there's no way apart from, you know, being absolutely divine that one person could check all those boxes in one lifetime perfectly. And um, I think it's just interesting how it's to talk about as the prophetic word and how you mentioned certain signs, you know, can, there can be fake signs, um, but signs aren't the, the, the highest priority. The highest priority is like, here's Jesus. He is the one of whom all the old prophecies and prophetic works, you know, and he fulfills them all. And I just think that's really interesting. And it's also motivating for me and, that I need to be in the Old Testament more and seeing, you know, how my Lord fulfilled all these things because that's also a powerful witness for people. You were talking about, like, you know, you can bring that to people and say, find me another human being like this in all history, in any of the other religious traditions. You know, you find me someone who, does, who, who is like this, man. I, I, you cannot. So... I just when, when you were reading, just when you said signs and you were talking about the prophetic word, I was like, this, "There's a lot of prophecy there." Yeah, you read the you read the Bible, and it's unlike. And this is just the, I think the the spirits work, the the, the self affirmation of the Bible. It's just unlike anything you've ever read. You read Daniel, down to, you know, the T on prophecy. And you, you hear Jesus, and you're like, you know, along with the, the, the soldiers who were sent, no one ever spoke like this man. Along with Peter, you, you have the words of life. Where else can we go? Sound, some of this stuff is hard to receive, but it's from him, and, um, and it is true. So remember, memorize scripture. We went through um, a, an ABF a few months ago about the spiritual disciplines, Absolutely, absolutely important to memorize scripture because when you're in these difficult times and the weight of the world is is on you, the weight of you know others' opinions is 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 right there in front of you. You know what will you know strengthen you, you know in that time. Well, you know 
the 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 sword of the the spirit, the 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 belt of truth. You know, you have you know this imagery of of how to be prepared, and um, and I think that that's not for no reason. So, and equip yourselves with the word, so that when the trials and temptations come, you have you know something to fight against, fight with. Eric. Uh, I was going to continue on with that thought um, of Scripture being so important because just as Moses before Pharaoh, when he was asked to perform signs, the magicians of Pharaohs were able to perform some of those same signs and were able to do false things to try and sway the people who didn't want to believe. And the I feel like the importance of, of Scripture is that Jesus fulfilled the prophecies that were written thousands of years before and that there's a danger in looking just for signs, which is how people get led astray so easy. I think even in, I don't remember exactly, um, and maybe I'm wrong, the the book of Revelation even says there will be false messiahs doing false signs to try and sway you and to be on guard because it's coming. So I guess that wasn't really a question. (laughs) Any other questions or comments? Comments are welcomed as well. When you read this, <clears throat> where he says he believed the word of Jesus, and wasn't until he saw the sign that his son was a lot, that he believed not the word, but in the Christ. The first part there, he says he believed the word of... Let's see, I got lost it now. And the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. And then down in the end, he says, and he himself believed and all his household. The first one was a belief in the word. And the last one was he believed in the Christ, the one who spoke the word. That's what I believe that is right there. Yeah, I think Jeremy's take is, is probably my take, too, which is it, it seems that that first belief is saving faith. Um, like I think he did believe his word and and believe in in the Christ. However, it was a, a further strengthening of his faith to to hear uh, that indeed you know his son was saved at the hour at the time when the Lord said that that it was so. And you know we have an example. Jeremy pointed to that earlier in in the sermon where the the the, the disciples who who came to him on various occasions believed. And, and followed him. However, after the first sign in the wedding at Cana, it says his disciples believed. And, you know, what do you make of that? Was this the, the real belief? And the other one was kind of, um, John doesn't, doesn't, doesn't tell us, but what we see is this kind of degree of, of, of strengthening, I think is the word that Jeremy used, strengthening your, your belief. Like there, there are things that, that Jesus does all throughout, or Jesus did rather, all throughout his, his public ministry that strengthened the belief of the disciples, right? Um, and, and further strengthening yet happened when he ascended, you know? And, um, and, and I don't think that the, the point is to say, oh, they really, really believed in Acts, you know, um, see, Peter didn't believe because, you know, he did this. I think what we're meant to see is that, yeah, there's, there's, there's belief. And then the, the Holy Spirit, his word, and in that day, Jesus himself, um, just being around him, soaking in him, brought you to further degrees uh, of faith. So, I, I was going to say also earlier, to kind of piggyback and, and maybe go a little bit with what Eric said. And, and others have said, as far as the the scripture and how important it is, I mean, just think of Jesus in his in his wilderness temptation, right? What isn't it isn't it encouraging to know what did he use to fight against Satan? I mean, Satan is the the prince of the air, right? Uh, Satan is 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 the evil one. I mean, this is his dominion at present. Um, and what did Jesus fight him with, right? Did Jesus, you know, put on the boxing gloves and go toe to toe, and and really, you know, you know, kind of, did he wrestle him like Jacob? No. What did he 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 spoke words to him, and and Satan, you know, fleed away at the end. Um, that's something we can do, <laughs> right? Like Jesus is quoting the Old Testament to uh, um, to the point made earlier. You know, let's 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 be in our Old Testament. Jesus was quoting the Old Testament. He wasn't doing some hocus pocus. He 
He wasn't, uh, you know, doing anything, I guess, to say that we don't have access to ourselves. So as Christians, as a little Christ, as, as those who, you know, want to walk in, in his path, we can do that. And we should. We should do that. We should memorize scripture so that when we're caught unawares by something that happens in our lives, um, we are equipped and ready to either give a, you know, an account for the, for the hope that we have or to strengthen and encourage a, a fellow believer or to, to give words of life to someone who is um, going through a difficult time and many, many other uh, opportunities and examples that exist. But it all starts, I mean, you can't fight with what you don't have, right? <laughs> um, so if you, you know, I've gone out hunting and, uh, and if I forgot my primer, that's it, you know. I'm going to have to go back to the truck and uh, give up that great, you know, spot that I had and then all that sitting that I just went through and go get my primer. And then I'm equipped and ready to, you know, to, to do what I had the desire to do. So if you don't have the tools with you, then, then you're going to find yourself, um, you know, fighting a, a losing battle or a difficult one at, at the very least. Um, I all, it's a question and a reflection on what we've been talking about. Um, I also was struck by the fact that the guy wanted a certain thing. He wanted his son healed. And it didn't happen the way he expected it to, but he still moved out in faith and started home, you know. And I am reminded of times and times and times in my own life that I prayed, it seemed like it ought to be praying in God's will, and and nothing was happening. (laughs) And it seemed like the answer might be no. And then when you look back in hindsight, you can see, oh, yeah, this is what he was doing. It It was so much different and so much better than what I asked for. And, um... There was a scripture that I can't find, and this is the question maybe some of you know. Where is it in the Bible where it says, remember what you know? Uh, go Look back on how God has worked in your life and remember what you learned or something. I, I can't remember. Yeah, Psalms where? Okay. I'll let others look that up, and I will speak to you. Um, <laughs> yes, the, as, as far as, you know, the Lord moving in a mysterious or, 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 or unfamiliar way to us. Um, any parents in the room, right? Uh, oftentimes you desire the best for your kids, but you don't always want to go about it the way that they want to go about it, right? Amen? Like uh, they want to eat candy or they want to watch a movie, but it's already eight o'clock at night or something like that. And, and in your mind, you're thinking, yeah, you know what? I can see tomorrow that we have nothing on the schedule. I'm already, you know, prepared and, and planning even, um, to maybe, you know, do, do the movie thing tomorrow. But your answer at the time is just simply no. And they crawl, <laughs> you don't love me. They don't, they don't say that, but you know, maybe they do. Um, but uh, they, they, they crumble and they think, oh, well, why would you withhold such a good thing from me? And, uh, and in your mind, now you don't say this all out loud, but you, I mean, you, you, there's calculations that you make and you're like, well, if we started the movie, they'd really only be able to watch, you know, 30 minutes of it. And then they're going to be really sad when we have to cut it and say it's time to go to bed. So you know what? Instead, you know, we'll just read before we go to bed. And then to, you're, all this is going on internally. And, and, you know, you don't necessarily communicate it to the kids. And, um, but their perception of it at times can be like, oh, you're going to, and then, you know, and then the next day, if they, if they, you know, sometimes I won't do it the next day, if that's the response I get. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're parents. We all know that, you know, we want to train our kids and we want to love them, but we don't want to reward bad, you know, behaviors. Anywho, um, you know, if they, if they show some, you know, some, some willingness to to receive what I said. Then the next day, they're like, they, they get it. They're like, oh, we get to watch it today. Today's the day that we get to do it. Oh, we get to, yeah. And then uh, and then they can see in hindsight the the wisdom of you know what the parents were doing. 
but uh yeah it's not always there and and we don't always i don't always communicate the best of my kids and i always don't feel obligated either i kind of want them to receive what i'm going to say without the carrot you know if you will uh anyone find that scripture though can we get a multiple all right well let's yeah let's see what lee has for us as, as well, whoa, 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 Mike, come on. On the mic is a queen. Uh, I just looked it up. I found Psalm seventy-seven, eleven, where it says, I will, uh, earlier, a few verses ahead of it, will the Lord reject us forever? Will he ever take care of us? Will he love us forever? And the answer is, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will meditate on all your works and consider all your mighty deeds. So it's kind of the answer to his doubts um, of the earlier part of the psalm. Right. And Psalm 73, when Asaph is considering the the wealth and the prosperity of, of the wicked, and then he goes into the temple to consider, you know, their end. And then he he's reminded, yes, you know, that they won't, they won't, it, the Lord's not going to, you know, they too will have to account for for their deeds and what they've done. So, yeah, there may be others, but I think that's sufficient. Yes, there's there's and there's whole other portions of scripture that that call us to hey, this is written down for our instruction. What happened in the Old Testament? Don't be like them, you know. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of examples, and that is a theme within scripture. Is is you know, don't forget, be be aware and learn from you know, um, what the Lord has, has said previously. Is that not our lives, right? You know, we're in the ministry of the Holy Spirit at the moment, but what, what is written is written, right? We have, we have what happened and what the Lord said, and for us it is to remember. Any other questions, comments? Tell me your name. Adrian. Adrian. Someone get Adrian a mic, please. So the official would have been a Roman official, I'm assuming? I think so. So in that culture, was it frowned upon for Roman royalty, as they call him, or an official to interact or, like, seek out, you know, take time off his work or his job to go and see some random Hebrew guy? I'm not prepared to speak on that. I, I, I can only assume that maybe if it's more of a pluralistic society that others would have cared less who they went and sought. So may, maybe to a degree it's not so much frowned upon that he's going to pursue some profit or some you know something like that. Um, as far as like time off, I don't know the Roman PTO schedule or the Gentile PTO schedule. Um, but I would hope that if your son is dying, you might get some time off. I, I don't know. I jest, but you understand what I'm saying. Like, um, I don't know, and John doesn't necessarily tell us. Um, um, so, but I think maybe the, is your point that maybe there were some other, like further, further evidence of faith was shown in that he crossed, you know, cultural lines to say, oh, usually us Romans go to this temple and, and ask in such and such a way, but you're doing this. I don't know. And that's not brought out for us, but um, I certainly know that, that others in Scripture have crossed those lines. And and uh, and so we can be encouraged by that example, but I don't know if that exists here necessarily. It, it is interesting that it, it was called out by John when he dealt with the Samaritan woman, but not called out here. So does it exist? You would think that if it did, that John may have called it out. But yeah, it's, it's a hard great to. Question. It's, hard, it's to, hard to make an argument of silence. So right. Yeah. It does say that it is a royal official. Romans wouldn't be royal, would they? Mm. And I do remember that uh, Jeremy mentioned he might be Herodian. Yeah. yeah. So he might be Jewish. Yeah. Very true. So, I spoke too soon. Zeb, I think, had something there. I was just going to say, um, the cultural animosity tended to go more Jewish against Gentile and less, like, Roman against Jewish. The Jew, the Romans looked down on the Jews somewhat, but it wasn't there wasn't as much, 
like full scale animosity. The Jews hated the Jews hated the Romans, um, which for a good reason. I mean, the Romans were occupying their land. They were there's a good reason why they hated them. Um, but for a Roman, it was less for a Roman to like condescend to see a Jew to talk to a Jew, and more the Jew. It was stranger for the Jew to condescend to talk to a Roman or a Gentile. That was ge- that was the general idea. I think we have Eric there. Um, one of the unique things about the Judean Empire in the larger Roman context was they were one of the very, very few examples of a people who were allowed to keep their own religion. Otherwise, uh, Rome would require you to worship at the Roman temples. Um, so the Jews were very unique in that context, uh, and it was as a favor to King Herod. Now, a lot of the people at the time resented Herod for subjugating himself before Rome instead of before God, which is what led to the revolt uh, a few years later. Um, so for a Roman official to go and speak to a Jew would have been um, not culturally normal. That's why it's pointed out that the Roman soldiers were going to seek out John in, in other texts. Um, it's because it's not necessarily something that would reflect well upon their career, even if it wasn't expressly forbidden. Um, but yes, uh, Zeb is definitely right. The Jews definitely loathed the Romans, and they loathed Herod to a certain extent for allowing himself, even though he got the temple built, to be a subject of Rome. Yeah. As well as tax collectors right. for their involvement in that. Any other questions, comments? Zeb again. Just another comment on the that divide between Jewish and Roman. The, the Romans were massively polytheistic. They were massively inclusive of all... They, basically, whenever they would go into a country or a, a region, they would just steamroll the the armies of the region, and then they'd take their gods and be like, oh, you worship God X? Hey, so do we, but we worship, we call him God Y instead. So you can just be part, you can be part of our religious world. And then the Jews were over here fiercely, violently monotheistic, um, and they would not. They wouldn't, that was why, like Eric said, that was why the Jews... Um, were kind of a thorn in the side of the Roman Empire, and it was also a reason why they were able to hold to their... They were the the single, pretty much the singular um, culture that held on to their religious identity in the Roman Empire it was because they were they were monotheistic. They, they couldn't just, like, add a few Roman gods to their pantheon and call it good. They were like, no, we've got Yahweh. Yahweh is it. That's all. No more. Um, but... With that in mind, for the Romans to come and seek out anyone from the Jewish world, like seek out a Jew for religious or spiritual insight, that was a big deal because that would be like, hey, I got to basically turn my back on all these like hundreds of gods that I have always believed were true in in and trade them all in for this one. So like it was it was a big deal for um for Romans to do that. My point was just simply that there was a little less of the a little less animosity. The the animosity tended to go one way, but for the Romans to seek out Jesus or to seek out John, uh it was a big deal because that was turning their back on all of Roman culture. Yeah, yeah, just to repeat, um, the Romans basically at this stage were worshiping Caesar as a god, um, which is why the why Christians were persecuted so violently is because they would not say Caesar is Lord. They would say Jesus is Lord. Jerry in the back. I think that's kind of what Zeb is talking about, this you know divide between the Jews and, and the Romans. Paul was such an enigma. Because he was he was both, and he was able to talk to both, and they weren't really able to answer him. I don't think. So I think that was pretty good. Good. We have eight minutes left, so 
We got to have some questions. Can't let you out early. Dave said I can't, so. <laughs> the dad jokes are coming if you don't ask questions. <laughs> Why do the communists have such good archery teams? Archery teams. This is fresh on my mind from going to the archery tournament with the students last or yesterday. It's because they're full of marksmen. All right, here we go. <laughs> save us, save us. <laughs> okay, tell me if I'm talking too much. Is there another question? Uh, Yo- yeah, Johan has a question. He really wants to say this. This better be like seven-minute-long question. Can you unpack the significance of the household believing? I knew that was going to come up. I have that down here, and I appreciate the question. We aren't told what the household makeup is, are we? We are told that he had a, let's go back to the text, verse 46 of chapter 4. He came to Canaan at Galilee, um, where he made the water wine, and verse 47 when this man heard that Jesus had come from Gal- Judah to Galilee, he went and asked him if he would come down to heal his son. So we, we know that there's an official. We know he has a son. Move on. Um, heal his son. For he was to the point of death. Verse 48. And Jesus said, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The man takes that on the chin or the warning, however you take it. And, and the official said to him, come down. Please, uh, or else my child will die. So we know it's a child, right? Um, you know, so that gives us a different range. This isn't my adult son who is sick. This is my child. Okay, and the man believed his words and spoke in this way. And as he was going down, his servant said to him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked what hour. He asked them the hour when he began to get better, and they said to him, "Yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. The father knew." that this was the hour that Jesus had spoke to him or said to him, your son will live. And he believed in all his household. He himself believed in all his household. So all we know is that there's a, an official who has a son and also has servants, which can also make up that household in this context. And, um, and that all his household believes. So, um, you know, some people use this, they read between the lines and they use this for, you know, Infant baptism, you know, uh, the whole household was saved, and you know, it's not exactly this context, but but um, in another context. But you know, what does that mean? Um, certainly means that the man believed, and his son believed. May also believe or mean that his servants believed as well. Um, so I think the significance of it is what Jeremy kind of brought out, which is that this man didn't just internalize what happened in this encounter with Jesus, but as is the case when the spirit, you know, takes hold of you and you have been reconciled to use the, the, um, the, the terminology in Corinthians, you have been reconciled. So therefore you go and you bring this message of reconciliation to others. And so I think that this man, the, the significance of it, the, you know, what, what we can take away from it is that he did not just say, Oh, what a savior, you know, in his, in his heart of hearts. Um, but that he could not help, but maybe see to borrow, you know, uh, terms from um, chapter ago, or, or you know, further or earlier in this chapter, he saw a field white for harvest in his own household, and wanted them too to know, you know, what a great savior there is, and and who he was, who this Jesus is. So he tells them, and um, and it's effective. The spirit moves, and 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 it looks like, you know, uh, salvation is given, and the whole household believes and jeremy said and, and and i take this as well that 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 is you know saving faith you know that isn't the type of faith that we saw in chapter two earlier where uh some believed but jesus did not entrust himself to them it seems and that this is the type of faith um saving faith Cer- certainly the man had saving faith so if he's included in this household that believed you know i think it's reasonable to you know, to conclude that the whole household had saving faith in a manner that the man had saving faith. So, yeah, I don't know if that totally answers your question. And Eric wants to uh, help me out here. Um, I think another thing to remember is that the culture of the time. um, uh, I read this book that was about a um, missionary in uh, Indonesia, and they still have a very communal culture where the 
brothers live in the house, the grandparents live in the house. It's not it's not the way we live in a house today where it's, you know, my parents' house or it's my house or my brother's house. It's all one house and it's all one family. And um a lot of times missionaries will run into the trouble of they'll convince somebody of the gospel of Jesus Christ and they'll say, Okay, well you need to come talk to my family because unless you get my five or six uncles to all agree because we all share one small, you know, two or three houses or one house even um, you know, living in a communal family, unless we all come to agreement, none of us, none of us can come to an agreement because we are one people. And so I, I wonder if the larger cultural context of his whole house believing being his parents and his brothers and everybody that lives in this communal household. May very well be there. My, my only point is the significance, I think, of the text is that this man, whoever was in that household, he brought that message to like he the, the the great evangelist came to him and then he did likewise as as a good sheep would christina oh well that's kind of where my mind was going because i could just uh, i don't only have to imagine I, I have an experience but um when he found out the hour that the fever broke i could just imagine him telling his family that Jesus said my son will live at that same hour so even though the Lord warned him about signs he kind of still got a sign because Jesus did say at that particular hour that um, your son will live so I can just imagine and like I said I don't have to imagine I remember my grandfather he was um he prayed for my cousin who had epilepsy amongst a lot of us were in view and and she hasn't had epilepsy since that day and she's 65 so praise the lord yeah the lord he moves in that way sometimes so um i was going to say one thing that you mentioned yeah and then and then we can go forward i i forgot to mention this earlier when we were talking about uh prayer and and i forget the context but i believe it was your your comment uh renee however um i don't know if you've done this i i I happen to come across i am not great at this so i will be the first to say i i need to do this better um and here's why um i i'd look back at like uh little journals that i used to keep like prayer requests on like nothing special i did it's not like i i did it to the degree that when the when god answered the prayer i wrote the the date down in the journal i know that some people do that but even just to see the prayer request i know that that got answered and then it reminded me wow i've I forgot all of these prayer requests that, that, that I had written down, you know, years ago. I'm talking like in college and, and that God actually answered those, you know. So prayer journaling is, is, uh, you know, is a way to remind us that the Lord, he, he, he moves and, and, it, and it can encourage us because maybe sometimes we don't see exactly the way God moves at times because we look, you know, we think day to day, week to week. But when you expand that out and you have something that you can reflect on, you know, year to year, you can see, Oh, the Lord did actually answer this prayer request from moons ago that uh, I've since stopped praying about. But the Lord answered that, and and I can you know give Him praise and glory for that. Bring us home, Rich. Yeah, we're just looking at the parallel between Jesus having the interaction with the woman at the well, and she believed because of His um, telling her things that that she knew that He wouldn't have known otherwise without being a prophet. And then she went and told the town, and the town believed because of what she said. And him confronting the nobleman, and then him going back and his household believing based on what he said. So it's kind of the parallel of the, of the saving faith on the two of them. Yeah, amen. And I would just, you know, I would just encourage you to, to continue to keep chapter 3, verse 31 to 36 in view as we continue through John. John says, John the Gospel, or, or John the, the Baptist says that he bears witness to what he has seen and what he has heard. This woman, this sorry, this woman and her other husbands and what was going on. Jesus had no idea about that, but he did know because he is not speaking in an earthly way. Yes. Oh, we got one from Wanda, and she will bring us home because that's a W at the end of the alphabet. Sorry, Rich. <laughs> w is that so? Anyone with a Y? Well, I just wanted to say that. Sometimes when you have a specific prayer request in my life, 
it maybe isn't answered the way I want it, but God gave me a scripture to get me through that. And so I think when you keep a prayer journal, sometimes you don't know how God strengthened that person to get through it. They may have still died or didn't get cured or their child didn't come home, but God, in my life, God provides scripture that gets me through that. So I just want to throw that out. Amen. And sometimes, and it's helpful to remind ourselves of this, sometimes God's answer is no. And, and so we need, you know, and the Lord gives us scripture to, to trust in him, to obey him, to say, you know, I mean, like Job, right? Job is, wasn't given, you know, a whole lot of confirmation and, and everything there at the end. Um, so all that to say is sometimes the Lord's answer is no, and it's helpful to remind ourselves of scripture during that time. But it can also be not that we demand this, right? This goes back to signs, not that we demand that our prayer requests are answered by the Lord, but it can be helpful and it can strengthen our, our faith in the Lord when we see that he has answered, you know, our prayer requests in the past. And sometimes his answer is no, but he always answers. Sometimes it's no. All right. God bless. Let me close us in prayer and, uh, and I'll send you on your way. Father, we are, we are so, so richly blessed uh, by the word that, that you have given to us and preserved for us. I pray, Lord, that our, our lives would reflect a love for this word, that our speech would reflect a speech that has been, been transformed by the, the, the understanding and the reading and, and the obeying of this word. I pray that our lives would go forth, that we would not hide it under uh, a bushel, uh, but that we would shine and that our speech and our life would reflect uh, in, in, in a way your, your life and that our love here within this body would, would reflect your love and that that would go out and, and, and it would go out into our communities and, and to the, the world at, 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 you know, abroad. And I just thank you, Lord, for this time that we get every Sunday uh, to dig into your word together as a body, to be strengthened and reminded together of, you know, what your word says and to be able to have now, as we leave here, even more tools in our toolbox to encourage each other, to remind ourselves of, so that when we leave here, we can leave not just coming to a knowledge of what your word has said, but that changing us and that, that as your, as your word says, that we would believe and obey. Help us, Lord, uh, in that manner. Help us, Holy Spirit, in that manner to to obey and call to remembrance all the things that are needed in this fight for life until you call us home. In your name we pray. Amen.